Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment, where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome back to Inner Bloom. I'm Alexa. With me is Ambrosia. What's up, Ambrosia? Hello, everyone. Hello. How are are you today, Alexa? (laughs) I'm doing well. I'm happy it's Friday. How are you doing? What are you going to do this weekend? I don't mean to discourage you. I'm just curious. Um, Actually, I'm going to New York, so you can just step off. Look at that. Look at that. Shots fired. Acting. Acting like I don't have anything to do. <laughs> Acting like I'm not going to break quarantine. Although it's already been broken, so it's, it's okay. It's broken, yeah. Um, what are you doing? Anything? I'm doing nothing. Oh, okay, cool. It's nothing. Because <laughs> uh, well, I don't have a life, okay, Alexa? Back <laughs> off. Well, just so you know, Amby, this is like my favorite thing to do. Even above that, like hanging with you is my favorite thing to do. So. Oh, that makes me feel sweet. I yeah. think she's lying, but no, that's I'm nice. Not. That I'm makes not. me feel good. <laughs> we have a but special guest here who's just like. <laughs> He's just sitting here awkward, <laughs> uncomfortable. I'm just listening. It's great. <laughs> we have our great friend, podcast host, and life coach, Heath Cummings with us. Hey, Heath, what's up? What's happening? What's happening? Hello. Alexa and Ambrosia and Inner Bloomland. Yay! Welcome. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's so nice to have guys on the show. It's so nice to have the yes. masculine um, energy that kind of like balances the super feminine energy that we have. You mean there's other guys on the show other than me? Because I haven't seen many. There of them. are. We have lots of other guys on the show. We've yeah, we've had some other guys on the show, but I think Heath, you were like one of the people who like we were like, no guys watch our show or listen to our show, and you're like, I listen to your show. Like, don't exclude me. I guess I just don't matter. Matt no. Sutherland listens. Hey Matt, I know he listens. And um We've had other people on the show that are guys. <laughs> We've had other guys. Just don't worry about it, Heath. We got it. All right. Just take my word. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a pioneer or something. I guess not. <laughs> you are a pioneer. I'm doing really, I'm doing right. really good today at making people feel special. <laughs> Well, Heath, we're really excited to have you here. We were actually on your podcast like what a few weeks ago, maybe a month yeah. ago. Yep. The Live This Life podcast. And it was so fun to be on there. We had such a good time with you. And we were like, you got to come on our podcast now and share all your good wisdom and stories. And, and you just have – I'm glad we're catching you now because uh, if yep. we wait much longer, maybe we wouldn't be able to because maybe your star would just ascend to the point where you won't even know who we are anymore. So I don't think – I will never forget where I came from, <laughs> how big, no matter how big things get. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Well, That would be awesome if the trajectory keeps going that way, but – yeah, it yeah. was it was a fun conversation on my podcast. And it's like, this is the third time that you and I have talked in like the last six months because I had the positive head one back in like October. So yeah, a regular thing. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's always great to talk to you. You have such great energy and you have such a great story too and just so many kind of really inspiring things that have happened to you and are happening to you and um, would love if you would just share with the guests, share with the guests, share with the listeners, um, just more about your story and like, you know, what your trajectory has been like up until this most recent time. Yeah, it's uh, the most recent time is definitely like the the going over the top of the roller coaster, I kind of feel like, but yeah. there's a lot of time before that was like the very slow, painful upward ride to something. <laughs> but I'm glad to know what that ride to something was finally. But um, yeah, my road's different. I mean, I'm sure like a lot of um, everybody's got a unique story, but I feel like mine, when I come to these circles and talk, it's, you don't usually come across somebody who's got the the background that I've come from, but um, yeah, I come from small town, Massachusetts, like, uh, uh, you know, little town and had, uh, the, you know, sort of normal childhood and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it's blossomed into a whole different, you know, world from anything I ever came from. Um, you know, at a young age, I had just basically me and my mom, she worked really hard, all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, you know, in the, the course of my childhood, it was a pretty normal type of childhood. And we had, um, we had some tough times. We had some difficult times for her as a single mom. She worked a lot. I took care of myself a lot. And it, it, it was, uh, it was challenging. You know, I kept myself very, really occupied, but I think it helped develop my imagination, my drive mm-hmm. to just kind of do everything on my own. Um, it, you know, certain points in my childhood, we had, we had some different people come and go, some men in our lives. And sometimes it. And I think that's what led to me, moving into a law enforcement sort of protector role later on in life was, it was, it's actually something I discovered recently when I've done a lot of this like soul searching and talking with people in circles like this, kind of figuring out um, where did some of these thoughts and processes begin from? And it was kind of like way back then. Um, I got into like self-defense way back then. I got into boxing really heavy at a young age. Um, I think it was all from that really wanting to be able to like hold my own and, you know, be, be protector at home and stuff. But um, yeah, as a teenager, I was like a hellion. So the fact that I turned out to be a cop at some point in life was like a huge shock to everybody that I came across. There was a couple of times when I first started, I was 19 when I started and, you know, a year or two out of high school. And uh, you know, one of them was at one of my teacher's houses and I walked through the door in a uniform. And they were like, he? really? <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I know. We don't have to go how, how weird this is. But um, so, yeah, it, it, like I graduated high school early. Um, after after being quite a hell, and I was like failing out of high school, and um, you know, luckily a, a group of people that I was running with, uh, they all got locked up, they all got in trouble, and luckily I wasn't really doing anything bad that resulted in me getting in trouble because I probably would have still not been able to walk after my parents got me. But um, it changed that changed my trajectory as a teenager. You know, I really like straightened my life out, started playing sports again, and then I had a family member. Um, I just said something one day like, "How cool would it be to be a cop?" and then they like shoved me into it really. And that's also another thing of why I'm kind of discovering how I had so much discord later on in life with that. Mm. Um, because it, it wasn't really a path that was conducive to me. I really like I, nobody ever would have guessed I would have done that. And I think at any age, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, you would have told me like, Hey, a few years, you're going to be a police officer. I'd be like, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I jumped right into it at a high school. I had a, um, only a half a year in my senior year. I graduated early. And I jumped right into police academy in like February of my senior year. And I actually graduated police academy a few weeks before my high school graduation. So wow. I left 
high school with this kid with a goatee and an earring and like bumping <laughs> loud music in the parking lot. And I was kind of a hellraiser. And then I come back and I was all high and tight haircut, standing up straight, like barely cracking a smile. I had already developed that like super type A jerk ball kind of attitude. Mm. Yeah. From there, it, it just. Can I interrupt your story yeah. really fast? Is it really common for um, someone to go in the police force that young? Not anymore. Back then it was, I mean, they, they, it wasn't, it wasn't atypical for you to do it, mm. but now, um, you know, there's a lot of different requirements, a lot of like degree requirements. And I yeah. think across the United States, there's a lot of um, like weapons handling requirements. You got to be 21 years old, I think now in a lot of places. So oh, okay. things have changed quite a lot. I mean, that was 1999. So okay. um, it was quite a long time ago, but yeah. Anytime too. So I'm blabbing on, just ask a question. Cause I will just keep going. If oh, you know. no, I like your story. No, I like your story. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Like how common was that, that you're so young and you're like, you are seeing some of like, in my opinion, and I could be wrong because I've never been a police officer, but you're seeing like some of the worst sides of humanity. Yeah. You know, I think, I think personally way young too young. I think yeah. it's way, way too young. I mean, I, in my growth and my journey have really kind of discovered like I don't think you're really an adult until you hit about 30. I really right. think that you go through so much of that, you know, you're, you're still outgrowing being a child until you right. really sort of hit that stride later in your twenties. So being in that area of responsibility that young, no way. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, I never think that's, that would be an okay thing, but um yeah, I learned that. I mean, at a real young age, I remember my first year when I was on the job, I had to break up a party that my friends were all at. Oh my God. And it was, yeah, it just, womp, it womp. got, it got really, really awkward and really bad. And it also, you know, led to me missing out, I think a lot of fun times. So, um, <laughs> did they take you seriously? I mean, how, was that a difficult transition for it them was to take so you serious? Tough. Yeah. Yeah. With it being especially like small town, it's not like we had hundreds of kids in our high school. I think our graduating class was like 80 kids. So wow, we all knew each other, you know, it's like a small, small area. So um, yeah, it was real difficult. And it made uh, it made like class reunions real awkward and stuff, too. But, um, you know, luckily, a lot of my friends were respectful. And like later on, I mean, my law enforcement career it was very long and stretched out, but it mm-hmm. was, it was very rocky. You know, about age like 23, I was all gung ho. I was all like really excelling in the job. I was actually training new people who are, you know, five, 10, 15 years older than me. I was already like training new people. Um, and then I went into another police academy, another specialized one. And while I was there, I had some stuff happen that really like disenfranchised me from the job. I had to get into a huge legal fight over some stuff that happened that I saw. Um, and I've got kind of a big mouth, you know, and, in that line of work, unless you're like really high ranked, that doesn't work out so well for you. So if you, you start to like bring things up that you shouldn't be talking about, or you don't fall into place, you're going to hit a rocky road. And I did that. Um, and I just, I, I didn't keep my mouth shut and it caused a big issue. And I ultimately came out on top of that whole thing, but it like totally ruined my drive for that, that career path. So I decided that I wasn't going to be sort of in the police world, that there's so many other little branches that you go to, you know, you could be like something federal or whatever. So I ended up landing a job at age 20, like 24, 25 years old as a director of a, of a public safety department, a smaller public safety department. And it led to some pretty awesome stuff. I ended up getting into like art crime investigation. Um, Yeah, it was, it was, that was probably one of the coolest things that I ended up doing in the course of that career. But I became, it was basically, I was in charge of keeping um, a really large campuses museums safe, like a world renowned um, museum collection on this campus. Really. uh, I was in charge of the department 
And I got to see like some of the coolest stuff behind the scenes, like big tablets that were like the Anunnaki and like the whole, um, I like, Oh yeah. Like I I held one of the uh, Assyrian clay tablets in my hands, like many, many times, like so many. Wow. Wait, Assyrian, like the aliens? Like like the Anunnaki like carvings. Yeah, from I, mean, I didn't even know there was like that an Anunnaki. Is, like we're, we're both suddenly very. I mean, I know of them. Like I didn't know that they. Your story. Yeah, Tell like us the more um, about this. The uh, the Assyrian reliefs they came from ancient Sumeria and they were actually in Iraq and a lot of them, um, this this palace I think it was Sumer, um, but this palace that was that was. You know, we basically discovered this place and they took a bunch of panels out of it, but it had these, you know, huge beings of the Anunnaki. You see them on um, ancient aliens all the time. Mm-hmm. They're like these, you know, beard, uh, bird beaked things. And they're yeah. like plugging in these little pine cone looking things into this like tree looking thing. But yeah, like our, some of our museums had that stuff. Like I saw some of the, wow. I, I saw this, this, uh, I went to like, so basically I got to travel to all around new England. I went to all these different museums cause I became really well known in the field and did really well. So I'd go as a consultant to all these other places to help like boost their safety and, and That's all really of their cool. stuff. Yeah. So I got to see a lot of really cool stuff behind the scenes. And I saw, I got one of the coolest places I saw was in Boston and I got to go in this like rare books room and see this ancient papyrus Egyptian book that was like one of the oldest books that's still intact and it was behind a glass case and it was just the page it was open to was just what it stayed on and they're like yeah only like 20 people have seen this over the last 50 years you're one of them I'm like no way like super cool stuff such an affinity for Egypt and ancient Egypt and I would like Oh, that sounds so cool. You, you ever come back up in New England, you have to go to like the MFA in Boston. Like they have the awesomest, awesomest collection of ancient stuff like that. But mm. yeah, the uh, the road was unique for sure. But I had a, uh, you know, that life was, was a very demanding one. I mean, I got into a lot of stuff. Like every time I get into a career path, I just kind of like hit it as hard as I can um, to try to just be the best. I'm always in competition with myself to kind of be the best. And mm. I did that one too, but it was like at the sacrifice of my health and my home life. Um, my marriage started to suffer. I actually got cancer at age 26, shortly after starting Jeez. that job. And then I got it again at age 29. Wow. And when I did it 26, it, you think it would like chill me out and kind of like make me kind of realize life, but it didn't. It kind of made me like, give me more of a superiority complex. Like nothing can stop me. I'm, you know, doing this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I'm doing that career, I still stayed working as a cop part-time. So like one, two, three days a week, I'm working in my hometown that I started off in still doing all that, that work. Um, and it just, it led to so much discord, but that breakdown, that dark night of the soul that I went through after my second cancer was like invaluable. You know, I, years afterwards I looked at it and I'm like, why did this have to happen? You know, I was in such a good trajectory and, and all this other stuff. But the reason why that happened is because it's led to what's happening with me right now and all the things and the people I'm coming across. Like it was just a super valuable point in life that I just I wouldn't trade for anything like it was most of us can say like, you know, it was the most valuable thing I went through is painful growth. I don't want to do it again, but I'm so glad I I went through it. So, yeah, yeah. so the, uh, you know, the road from there after that second cancer, I kind of like realized that it it kind of led to a whole lot of stuff like I, I led to a whole more holistic approach towards my health, like just gave up eating like all sorts of meats and gave up alcohol for the most part and really like changed a lot of things about my life. Um, Took up meditation and I really, I started to look into more life fulfilling type of stuff, you know, like it's got to be more to life. I almost died twice here, you know, and I'm seeing all these horrible things that happen on the job and stuff. There's got to be more to it. And I kind of started down the road of religions and that didn't work so well for me. 
And it led to, you know, looking at more self-improvement type of stuff, you know, and kind of take a piece of like every religion I felt like got it right mm-hmm. and kind of combining it into a, sort of a spiritual thing that, that worked for me, like develop my own relationship with God or the universe or whatever you want to call it. And that kind of led me down the path of, of meeting Brandon and Positive Heads and Alexa and, and you, Ambrosia. So it's it's been unique. It, it was um but the, you know, the process of all that too is like, I realized that the police work, like all of it, all in general, like everything that was involved with all that public safety stuff, it just wasn't who I was. There was so many parts of it that were creating discord because you, you had to be so forceful with people or you had to be forceful with the way that you treated the people that worked for you if you were in a position of, um, of, of supervisor and stuff. And it just wasn't. It wasn't for me anymore. So I, I was just kind of like trying to figure out what else I wanted to do. And then I hit another rough road with administration. I had another sort of legal fight. And at, at the end of that, I'm like, you know what? I'm done. Like I'm done seeing the ugly and having to call people out on it. I need to go elsewhere that I can kind of make more of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and from there though, it didn't lead to where I was. Like we were, I was just going to unplug from that and me and my wife are going to start a restaurant. And I always call that like the best thing that never happened because it was like so much work that was going to go into it and it really wasn't panning out. Um, and ultimately it led to discovering more about the city that I live in and the town that I live in and going through all these board meetings of what we wanted to do with these buildings. And, you know, I, I really got me like working into the politics of my town. So that led me to running for elections. So right now I'm in a position where I'm like one third mayor of the town is a three part. It's like a democratic mayoral system. So wow. um, I ran for election. I just kind of threw it on a whim and won by a pretty overwhelming majority. And, um, left law enforcement for good right around that time. And I've become a, um, full-time operations director for my, my school district that I actually went to high school at. So I'm kind of like a homecoming to come back here. So that's my full-time gig and I'm a politician. And I have this new podcast <laughs> that, um, I started last year, late last year. Um, and I'll blame that one on Brandon. <laughs> I'll blame that one on Brandon Beecham. Cause you know, his, he did an episode on me. Like the big transformative moment was that restaurant failed and, I was forced to go back into police work full time. You know, I had mm-hmm. never, I haven't been full time in police work since I was like 23 and I kind of went into other career path, but then I had to do something to fill in the gap. And there was yeah. this position in my town as a school resource officer. So I got to be the police officer in a high school, like a whole school district with a bunch of kids. So it was actually really great. Um, but it's still, it was in that world. I didn't really want to be a part of. And I remember just like feeling super trapped. Like I'd already like gone by for a long time. I kind of said I was going to just be this interim guy in that job. And it was turning into more than just interim. And, you know, I felt trapped again. And Brandon's advice to me was, you know, just let go, let go of the resistance that you feel like you're trapped. Just figure out something that you love about it. Just look at all the great things that you, you do have the example that you can set the influence you have for these kids that you look, they look up to you as a role model, like love all that stuff. And everything else is going to shake itself out afterwards. No matter what happens, if you're just loving where you are, no matter where you are, you're going to love it. So was I, that played on an episode? Yeah, yeah. I remember that episode. Do you really? I, oh my god, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. So yeah, you wrote in an email to Brandon. I did, yeah, and he like read the whole that. thing though. It took him like ten minutes to read it. I was just like yeah. just going nuts yeah. writing email, but yeah, um, he read it, and it was a huge response to it. Yeah. Well, I remember hearing that too and being like, oh my God, police officers are awake. Like that (laughs) was my response because I had just recently, like I was very new to like everything too. And I was kind of still in that phase. I'm starting to realize there's phases of this, right? It's like when you first kind of have your awakening or whatever you want to call it, the word doesn't matter. Uh, You're kind of in this weird like period where you're like, okay, I'm into this. 
nobody else is into this, I don't think, that I know. And you're, <laughs> yeah. like, really, like, I'm feeling alone. kind of vulnerable and scared and kind of, like, like I can only – you have to, like, suss everyone out to know if they, like, catch your vibe. Now I don't feel like that at all. I'm like, oh, no, everyone in my world is like this and that's just how it is. Um, but I just remember being blown away hearing that a police officer or, like, a former police officer or whatever was writing in and it really impressed me and it really made me realize, like, wow, like, this is – it, it, it broadened my perspective. I remember feeling this. bad for you. Sorry. Oh, how nice. <laughs> well, no, but I remember feeling like this poor guy, like, oh my gosh, like what a struggle he must be going through. And I remember literally going, I really hope that he's okay. I really hope that like he finds his way. Because I remember the way that it was written. It was like such an internal struggle for you. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. It was. It was. Because I mean. Oh, my God. This is so cool to meet you. Okay. <laughs> it was. I mean, if it, it was. I think back to that time. And I think that's why I wrote to him the way that I did. Because I was literally like. I was listening to that podcast. I was trying to talk mm -hmm. to people. But it was like. In some of these spiritual circles, like exactly what you said, Alexa, like, oh, I'd never guess that somebody yeah. from that kind of a background would have this kind of a mindset. And I think for the most part, it's not typical. I'll say that much because a lot of people who go into this line of work, I'll, I'll be honest, like and I've been brutally honest about a lot of stuff about law enforcement. So that's why I kind of don't even get any waves from the people that I don't <laughs> that I used to work with and stuff when I drive by. But um, I, I think a lot of them get into it for the wrong reasons. And I think for me, I don't think if my my life in my high school years would have panned out in a normal way where I just got to sit back and like, okay, what do I want to do? It was like, I kind of just threw out there at one point, like, oh, that seems like it would be really cool. I'd probably be good at that. And then it just like, I was whisked away in this thing and like pushed right into this police thing before I maybe was even ready. And I think that that authentic version of me that I was back then started to really poke its head through once it realized that it was you know, that really wasn't the person that I had been, you know, I had been conditioned to be the career guy. And then as that wasn't working, like that, that veneer that got put over my authentic self wore off. And then I was able to kind of like come shining through. So, I mean, yeah. I haven't really met anybody else who's had a similar sort of awakening, like especially people in public safety and law enforcement. I feel like you don't really see many of them who have the open minds to, to kind of look at the kind of stuff that I do and the kind of stuff I talk about, you know, I, what are your thoughts on? Cause this has come up in my reality, like a lot lately, police officers that are going through depression mm -hmm. and don't feel safe to share it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's really sad. A lot of, a lot of police officers take their lives because for whatever reason, um, but that has been a theme and I have a couple of friends that are police officers and a couple of them are more of my husband's friends than my friends, if that makes sense. Um, because he was in the military and so they went from the military to being a police, um, in law enforcement. But I have one friend in particular that, um, I won't say his name, but it's really sad because I don't think anybody knew that he was feeling the way he was feeling. Mm. And that happens so frequently. And I have that, I have that exact perspective <clears throat> from everything that I went through that time period where I had my last cancer in 2010, within a year of that, I had like four different incidents of suicide that I had to uh, handle that I was on the job and I had to handle them all while I'm going through my own mental health stuff. I was like a complete mess after that last incident that happened. So I'm going through all this stuff personally. And then I went through 
those things on the job. So I'm having personal scars on top of the professional scars. And then my wife started to have some really traumatic things. Like she almost, she almost died from a medication overdose. I had to do CPR on her. So it was like a freak thing that happened. So you're just talking like straw after straw after straw that broke the camel's back and never mind the people who that's a part-time career in law enforcement. Yeah. The people who are in it 40, 50, 60 hours a week, they have, all that much more stuff that happens to them on the job and then whatever personal stuff's going on behind the scenes like people just look at what's happening to them that's related to their job there's so much more there's so much more trauma that happens um and the sad thing is i know from my own experience that you almost feel like you have to either not get help stay quiet because if they they find out they're gonna think you're crazy and they're gonna take your badge and your gun and you're you're done you know what do you do after that if you've invested your whole career into that career path um you know, I think since I went through some of that stuff, it's kind of changed a little bit. And there's a big movement out there of a lot of different organizations who are really getting out there to try and train the current people that are on the job now to recognize the strains of mental health. You got to recognize your own. You got to recognize what's going on in your coworkers. Um, so I think it's picking up more speed, but there is so much more that really needs to be covered. Um, you know, and I'm I'm actually getting out there to start to speak about that because I went through serious, serious PTSD. Um, and it, it caused a lot of anxiety and depression, like lost sleepless nights. I mean, like a horrendous, horrendous, like pinnacle of when it got it at its worst. And I think most of it was because I had to sort of like go behind the scenes and try and get my own help. No one referred me to anything because I had to kind of keep it quiet. And I remember one of my worst nights that I had, one of the worst incidents that I encountered, I remember my superiors just being like, well, go write your reports and take it easy the rest of the night where it should have been like, okay, you're taking a week off and here's a referral to some people and you're going to come back when yeah. you're ready. Um, but you, like I said, it's just changing. It's, it's got to be a dynamic, a, a whole, a whole dynamic uh, mindset and paradigm that needs to change on the whole thing. Do you think that the, I mean, what is your take on just with everything that's happening right now? Like this is a very timely, uh, mm-hmm. episode because yeah. the, the George Floyd, um, murder or, in experience or whatever you want to call it has just happened and the public is reacting in a very big way as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, this has happened so many different times in so many different ways for so many different reasons. And, um, I guess my question to you is, you know, because you've been in this role and you've seen that world and now you're you're also in another part of the world, part of that world that's connected, right? Like government and uh, working to protect the people in your town and your city. Um, what needs to be done from your perspective to um, heal this or to move forward in this area? Because it just feels like, 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 what do you think is the thing that needs to, to happen here? It kind of feels like a repeat. It it, did over and over. I mean, yeah. Like it's just like looping over and over. It's like, when is enough enough? Yeah. And I mean, I'll say with this, this particular case, and you know, I don't want to have this come off sounding the wrong way that the other ones didn't bother me, but for some reason, this one has bothered me the most. I mean, I've seen the, the Eric Garner case really bothered me. That was in New York where he was like selling cigarettes and that guy was a big, big guy. And I think if he would have, he could have fought back to all the people that were there, you know, and he probably would have just thrown them off like ants, you know, and he ended up passing away. And with this, you know, I saw the video to that one. 
and the, some of the other ones that have happened since. But for some reason, this one is the first one that really brought me to tears. And, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I was insensitive towards the others, but I think this one just seems so, so callous. There doesn't seem anything that there's, there's no evidence that I think can come to light out of this whole thing. That's going to justify what I saw. Um, you know, I see, I've heard a lot of people say a similar thing when I've talked about this, like, I don't care what the investigation shows the man was on the ground, you know, whether, whether at some point he was resisting or whatever, which I haven't seen any evidence of, um, you know, he's on the ground and as soon as he's subdued, you, you get off of him or when, you know, it, the, the thing is the knee to the neck, that is never okay. Like, it doesn't matter. That's, that's like a, that's like a, a sensitive area. The body's all broken down into like green, yellow, and red areas. And like a red area, you don't, you don't hit it as a police officer unless you have like a, uh, justification for lethal lethal force and stuff and like the neck and the, the the head and the spine and stuff it just as far as what needs to happen like there are just so many different things that need to be changed and how to approach those i think they're going to start to really look at this i think from the federal level um going forward i think they kind of have to i mean unless the states yeah. really take something serious on their own to change the the dynamic but like let's just talk about what happened on the street you had three other people there that weren't kneeling on his neck. Why wasn't one of them saying, okay, get off of him. He's, he's yeah. all set. Yeah. I think that that brotherhood or that code, like some of that yeah. stuff that I encountered on different levels of when you, I spoke up, I was no longer invited to the, the 4th of July barbecues and like people weren't waving at me just like they kind of weren't you know, later on that code of silence or that brotherhood that just covers up certain things or, you know, that almost gives the green light for stuff like this to happen if one of them would have spoken up, that man would probably still be alive. You know, I think that is, that is part of what's wrong with a lot of it. Um, they need to be able to call a spade a spade. They need to be able to speak up against each other. And that goes all the way down to the mental health stuff too. I mean, yeah. when you recognize that one of your partners, it doesn't seem like he's acting right. He saw something different, you know, that was really traumatic and now he's acting different. That's your job to speak up too. So I think there needs to just be more, more compassion and involvement and understanding from the people in the job. But, you know, I'll say this too, and this is probably gonna be a little controversial as well, that back when I first started, it was a very competitive process. And I have said, at least in some of my area where I'm at, some of the people that are getting into the job now, I don't think would have made the cut back in the day because it was so competitive. The top of the class was a really good group of people. Um, the people who didn't make the cut back then or like the top of the class now it's a job that not many people want to do and i think rightfully so um it's a difficult job but um i think the quality of candidates is a big thing that's yeah. uh, that's coming up now too um so i mean looking at it from uh, i don't know like i, I mean, wish there was a simple answer but i know so someone much. that recently they don't listen on the podcast so it's okay well i mean it's not okay i would say i've said this to them before actually but he has such a temper. Mm. He has, and I know him personally that he's flipped out on me before, just before he was a police officer, when he was in the military for nothing that I'm like, I cannot imagine you in the line of duty. That is not, that does not feel safe. Mm. You know, like your temper is just so erratic because you might have PTSD, like you might have something from being in the military, but it's just, it's interesting that you say that because he's recently a police officer. So it is interesting that you say that. Um, what a really Which, good observation. 
Which when you when you zoom out of all of this, right, and you look at it like you come back to the spiritual lens of things, like why is this happening, right? Mm-hmm. It's because, from my perspective, it's because we've igno- we've especially with men taught them for so long to ignore yep. their emotions and that it's not safe to feel your emotions and it's not safe for ask it's not okay to ask for help or it's not okay to act weak, and um, and you know like like a punished or not punished, like vilified being a woman or acting like a woman, you know, or Mm -hmm. acting like a, and um, there's just been this crazy imbalance with like the masculine and the feminine and what's acceptable and what's okay. And I feel like these incidents are really showcasing like what happens when that balance is not restored. And when that, Mm -hmm. when that balance, when, when, like you guys are talking about PTSD and stuff like that all comes from that. I, I truly see it with some of my clients. It's like in childhood, they were truly told like it, this is not okay for you to cry. This is not okay. And so when you start to harden over all the years and you don't let yourself feel, you start to get angry and you take it out on people and things. And so, you know, I, I, I feel like this is signifying, um, I mean, it does feel like a repeating loop. It feels like the like the the shootings, right? It's just like, oh my god, like when is this going to stop? Like, what will it take to stop? But I think truly, what it is is it's going to take our evolution and consciousness of a human species, and it's. I wish it would be quicker, but you know, and maybe at some point it will like take on speed and, and someone or something will come into play that will really shift things in a quicker way. But I, I do genuinely think this is about us like seeing a reflection of our unhealed selves out there. And it's really triggering to see that this is like the way that we treat our fellow brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely something that I think is going to start picking up speed as time goes on, as far as people waking up a little bit. And I, I feel like that was part of my compulsion to, to start doing what I'm doing. You know, mm-hmm. um, I can't be one of the only people who has had a similar experience like this. And I think it was, it was at a certain point, I think, uh, I want to say maybe it was like seven years ago, six, seven years ago, where you kind of have to wear a coat of armor when you're in that job because you, you put it on, you put on all that stuff and you yeah. feel like you're in a coat of armor. You got this big heavy belt on, you got this bulletproof vest, you got this big shirt with all this junk hanging off of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it helps to see yourself as not the, you're, you're that uniform when you put it on, at least that's how I treated it. Because when I went out there in public, I had a lot of people who knew me personally and who I had dealt with from time to time. And they'd be like giving another guy a wicked hard time. And then I'd show up and that person would turn around, and like hug me, thanking me that I'm there, you know, and it wasn't the uniform. They didn't like it was a particular person they didn't like. But most of the time when people don't like cops, it's they don't like the, the job in general. They generalize them. So they see that uniform. Yeah. And if you think of it like, well, it's not me they don't like. It's the uniform they don't like. You you almost like put on a put on a costume while you're at work. And that that coat of armor that you're wearing, every bad thing people say to you is going and, and sort of bouncing off that coat of armor. But like metaphorically as well, like when it comes down to 
your psyche, that bad stuff that happens, you almost just try to let it slide off like Teflon. You try not to let it because you see so many things every single day. You try to not let it bother you. I mean, I saw things that traumatized me that were childhood stuff that bothered me from my childhood. So it was like, it wasn't so much of a traumatic thing. It was like, well, I went through something like this when I was a kid too, you know, whether it was just, you know, run of the mill type of like a domestic incident or something. But, Mm -hmm. um, I think when I finally let that armor come through and I started being more empathetic towards people, I, that's when I started to have some of my most discord with the job because the incidents bothered me more. I'd come home and I would be so fully exhausted that whatever I had seen seemed like it had soaked in finally. And that is when I started to have a lot of different issues with, with the job. It wasn't just letting things bounce off. So, um, I don't know. That could be a good thing and a bad thing. I think it's that's that's bad for your survival in that job right. because you kind of have to have that callous sort of way of not letting it bother you. Right. But I also feel like there needs to be a little bit of a chink in that armor so that you can actually like be more empathetic towards people and things like what happened in Minnesota won't happen. You know, I saw at first I did not see a white man on a black man. And I know it's turned into a lot of that and that we have that systemic issue going on for sure. The first thing I saw was a human, a, li- a living thing treating another human being that way, you know, one human treating another human that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, I think that's what bothered me the most. I just couldn't believe it because most of, most of those people in that job are out there to help people. Or at least you'd hope so, but yeah, yeah. you know, that one was tough. Yeah. Oh, I've seen a lot of police officers speaking up, which, which has been encouraging like this time around. I mean, it seems like it's growing each time something like this mm-hmm. happens. It's terrible that things have to keep happening. But I've seen way more this time around of people speaking up and saying this is a police officer speaking. I'm saying this is absolutely not OK. This is not what we do. Yeah. I and them and them then saying and now this has created now more um, confusion and conflict between the people we're actually trying to help now this is going to this is going to ripple out through the community because of what you did you know like this is going to put me in danger type of thing this is going to put my relationship with the people i want to help in danger now more um so you know yeah it's 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 wild and um i mean go ahead i was just going to read some facebook comments but go ahead ambu i was going to say like i know that this I probably don't have any justification for this, but as a five foot, hundred pound woman, white woman, I am terrified every time I get pulled over because I'm terrified. I have no defense. What am I going to do? And I hate feeling that way. I don't feel like it's, it's right. You know, it's, it's true. And even as a six foot, 230 pound man, who's athletic, I don't feel that safe either because I mean, you know, four or five on one, it's a different story. And if I was there in Minnesota, when that was going on, there's a lot of bystanders that were sitting there trying to do something. And at one point they almost jumped in and they almost got pepper sprayed. You know, Um, if I was there, I may have been laying next to Mr. Floyd because I don't think I would have been able to watch what was going on. And it was, it's like, who knows? It's kind of led to this atmosphere of like, you just don't know what's going to happen every time you have that encounter because, you know, Sadly, the media glorifies these kinds of things, but also that's kind of a good thing because it's not like all this stuff is just happening all of a sudden. You're just seeing it more because everybody's got a camera in their pocket, you know, like yeah. this stuff's been going on for a long yeah, time. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. you know, you just, you just hope that these horrible things that happen are going to lead to something good, that this man's life being lost is going to have some sort of significant change. You know, the, the, the riots and stuff, I understand people's frustration, but there's that energy could be just... 
I don't know how to channel it. I wish I had the answers, but it just, there are people in the right places trying to do the right things. And I, I think this one is going to do something because this was just such an egregious thing that happened. So I also think it's important to have a conversation about race because I do feel like it makes people feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. It makes people, and I am a white woman again, but I can imagine that it makes people of color feel unsafe. I bet. And I cannot imagine when I see some of the videos of mothers that have to tell their children when you get pulled over by a police officer, you keep your hands where you, they can see them. And it didn't even occur to me that that is something that people of color have to do for their children. Yeah. It broke my heart to be like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's, that's a whole other thing. And then I started thinking, like, my kid's mixed. I don't want him to start driving. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I could see that sometimes when I was towards the end of my career, I could see because a lot of these tensions had been building up over the last few years. And I left in 2018 and I had seen sometimes when I'd have inter- interactions with people, how uneasy they were. And I'd be like, Hey, listen, I'm far from anything that you might be expecting or anything else. Just, just calm right down. I'm here yeah. with you. You know, we're going to work through whatever the thing is that's going on. And yeah. I just remember some of the last times that I had those kind of interactions, people were like, wow, this is like the best, like, interaction I've ever had with a police officer. It's like, I wish that there was just more of that kind of compassionate instruction. Actually, there is a lot of people out there. There's a lot of different people who instruct this kind of stuff. Um, It's just, there's so many other things that get thrown at them for like mandatory education. This isn't, these kinds of things aren't put out there enough. And I've also seen the fact that like, when you go to these kind of things, like sensitivity trainings and all that, you get people going like, oh, we got a kumbaya. It's like, yeah, you need a kumbaya a lot more because this stuff keeps on happening. Like you can have to keep kumbaya until we're not kneeling on top. Of- Maybe you should pay attention to this. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna make you take this a couple times. But I also feel like in, just really quick, Alexa, I know that you wanna read the comments. Just, I, I wanna say that I feel like there is, and there's this book that I read and it really pointed out the difference between like um, white culture, and people of color culture and in white culture i can only speak for my culture but in white culture we're told like everybody's the same don't look at the differences turn a blind eye Mm -hmm. nobody's different and that's not true and that's not what they're experiencing and so i feel like to just kind of have everybody's the same and it's not race is a very ignorant viewpoint because it's like we are not the same we're not treated the same And if we don't start speaking up that like there's an injustice happening, then I feel like it's just gonna, it's one of the things that is gonna keep, just keep happening. All right, I'm off my soapbox. We can read the comments. (laughs) Okay. Well, I was gonna say, uh, Jerome said, we need to create a universal culture that promotes and idealizes inner healing and it expresses as unity and community. Definitely. Christiane says, what you all are doing is part of the earth's healing. Don't stop ever. Uh, Christiane also says, how often do police officers get mentally tested and how often Ooh, are they good physically question. tested by their superiors? That's a good question. So I know that in some place, I mean, I only had, I only worked at a couple places actually in a, in a law enforcement job, but I know that one of them coming in did a pretty 
thorough psychological testing. I'm surprised I didn't fail because when they were doing the ink block tests, I noticed he was writing down what direction I was turning it. So I purposely started like, you're supposed to turn it until you see an image and I would turn it just a mess with him. And then like, I shook his head at me like, this is not how you pass it. <laughs> but no, um, seriously, they, they, they do it on your way in. And I think that's it. And I think wow, that's, that's something, you know, I think physically and mentally, they don't like, you get to go through all this physical stuff to get the job, but yeah. then you can just let yourself go and have all these, you know, health issues. And yeah. it just, it surprises me that there's not an ongoing thing that makes them stay up on it. You know, you have to, you have to do your, um, like, you know, your firearms qualification every single year. It's like, you should have to go through a physical fitness test and a mental aptitude mm -hmm. test and stuff too. So, um, but not often enough. I think it's something that's, part of the the norm that needs to be ad adopted like something needs to change in those kind of policies mm -hmm. yeah. definitely definitely something to be more aware of as we move forward and um he we want to we're kind of coming near to the end of our time but we do want to talk just a little bit about you you know the the, yes. the phase of life after the law enforcement that you're Sorry, in now Heath, we got we got sidetracked <laughs> okay. Where, where you're, you're in government. So you went, it's, it's cool. It's really cool to look at people's trajectory and see like, even when, you know, they were in a place they didn't want to be, or that turned out not to be right for them to see how that really like kind of launches you. It like slingshots you to kind of to the other end or an adjacent side. And, um, so now you're in government and, um, and you're a light worker. You're, you know, behind the scenes, you're, you're. I don't know. You're one of us. You're like, you're one of us. <laughs> Welcome to the other side. Welcome. You have a spiritual perspective. You have a broader yeah. perspective, I think, than most people of, of what's going on here. And so we were just talking off air about how it's really encouraging. You know, it's really encouraging to see um, someone like you involved with that because I think uh, you were using the word politician. I think for for me, I'll speak for myself. When I hear politician, I do not think like work. I do not think light worker. I think the opposite i think corrupt yeah. i think you know i can't trust them i think like they're lying like you know just just a lot of falsity and and greed and uh so would you know i just want to say one it's really great to see this this shift happening you know with you um and also just kind of to get your perspective on uh I don't know what it's been like for you to kind of move into this world and also maybe encouragement if it is something that you think people should do for other people who are listening to this and, you know, maybe they should be moving into that world as well. Yeah. I mean, my, my standpoint that I adopted a few years ago was like, I have no right to complain about something if I'm not willing to get up there and change it. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things that happen in the world that, you know, I could sit here and complain about a million different things, but if, unless you're really willing to, and of course you can voice your opinions on them all, but like I've really taken the mindset where if I'm going to really be against or for or something, anything, I should be willing to get out there and make whatever change I possibly can to affect the thing that I like or don't like. Yeah. Um, and I did not like a lot of the things that I saw over the course of my career. And I knew that I was never going to be in the face of law enforcement when I was going to get into upper administration to like affect change at that level. Um, so from the political side, you ultimately, I mean, the, the, right now the police department that is in our town reports up the chain of command to me now. So, um, Aha. 
<laughs> luckily, our police department is awesome. Like, yeah, this, yeah. Isn't, this isn't a place where we no, have a like, lot of systemic things. You've, you've done it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's what my aha was. Like, I did it. Yeah. This, is, <laughs> this is it. I've infiltrated the system. So. Yeah, and I think I think at the local level, you know, we these, you know, granted this this type of thing that's happened in Minnesota is happening all over the country in little different right. pockets. So it's definitely a nationwide thing. But to affect the change there in Minnesota, they need to have something on the local level that is creating policy change for that particular place. And I think Absolutely. if the right people were put into all those different places. It, you know, it's, it's like planting the seeds. You know, if, if you want a bright, nice green grassy yard, you've got to make sure that there's no weeds in it, you know? So the, the grass has got to take it over. If you want to, you know, if you want a lawn full of dandelions, which is beautiful too, then let yeah. it go and it will, it'll do that. So, but I think you need to have the right people in the right places. And that starts at the local level. You don't have to be a Senator or president or Congressman or anything like that. Although ultimately I think if people like me and other good people that I know that are trying to get out there and do the right thing, make it high enough up through these things, then obviously things are going to change. Those types of people, people like me, aren't going to be influenced by lobbyists when I get up farther. It's going to be the right thing. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. You know, I, I follow my heart. You know, I follow what's best for humanity. I don't follow the donkeys and the elephant thing. So, um, and that, that's kind of, sometimes it causes some discord for me, but it's like, you can't really side with, you know, one side or the other can't dislike me because there's portions of some things I like from, from either mm. side. It's, it's common sense politics. You don't just follow a party line. Yeah. Um, and if you, you know, most of this, the problems that we have in society are common sense issues to just solve them. You know, really it, do I, do I like with gun issues, do I say that like everybody should just give up every weapon they have? Like, no, but do we seriously need reform? Absolutely. Like a yeah. lot of things need to change. There's needs to just, there are States around here where I live, where you don't even have to have a gun license. Like that's crazy to me. So, wow. Oh really? yeah. Yeah. Oh, live, wow. live, live free or die in New Hampshire and Vermont. I mean, those places are, we're right next door to New Hampshire and Vermont out here. So, no. um, but yeah, I think, if the right people do the right things to get in the right places, the world can be a completely different place. And for that to happen, I, I, don't, I, want, I wanted nothing to do with politics a couple of years ago, but I'm mm -hmm. sick of sitting by on the sidelines. You know, if you, you can protest, you can do all these things, but if you're right. really not out on the front trying to make a change, it, it's really not going to get the ball rolling. So, you know, mm -hmm. I think enough people doing the same kind of thing is going to be what makes the change. Yeah. So. Oh, that's so beautiful. And with I'm the podcast, so happy you're there. <laughs> sometimes I'm not because it's a lot of work. And like this whole COVID-19 stuff, like we haven't been able to focus on making some change. It's just been more reactive to that whole yeah, thing. It's, it's been my, I just passed my first year um, doing this since I got elected. And it's just been, you know, a lot of it's been taken up by this and some other little things, but, you know, hopefully at some point, it, you know, it gets a, I don't know where it's going to go from here either. I don't know if I'm just going to do this and be done or if I move up higher. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, the whole podcast thing too has been a, a wild ride. I mean, I did that on a whim because Brandon just was like, you should start a podcast. You have your own, you know, great story. You got a great voice and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like doing that kind of thing at all. I have no experience <laughs> in it, but because it kind of terrified me uh, a little bit, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do a few episodes just to say I did it. And then I yeah. did it and, it and it caught on and it's yeah. turned into something. So it's been kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. You're a fellow podcaster. Tell people yeah. a little bit about your podcast and where they can listen to it. So it's called the live this life podcast. Um, you know, I focus a lot. I'm kind of a science geek. Uh, you know, I did a lot of like, uh, you know, investigations has been like my whole life when I did all my art stuff, uh, art crime and all that art crime. love digging into things and finding out truths and all this other stuff. 
Um, and with the science behind spirituality, like a lot of the stuff that's talked about on Guy, I follow this, the show Mystery Teachings with Teresa Bullard. Like that's my absolute favorite show. Um, and she's a physicist who's just, her knowledge base is amazing. And some of the stuff that I have to watch an episode two or three times because it's so intense, um, <laughs> but I try to, to listen to it and break down a lot of those concepts. And I talk about that a lot on the podcast. Cause I think some people who think that a lot of the stuff they talk about in spiritual circles, a lot of the stuff that you two talk about, they'll look at it and be like, oh, that's woo woo, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. when you can put some sort of real, they need something like real. They need something physical or, or yeah. scientifically based to make them believe. And when you start meshing the two together, I think it takes the non-believers and it will turn them and be like, okay, maybe there's something to this. And when you start looking deeper, you realize, no, there is something to this. You follow a lot of these recipes and do a lot of these different things that are in the whole law of attraction and everything else. You'll realize that there are some serious truths behind all this stuff. So yeah. I go into that with my podcast. You know, the, the the main reason I started was was not only to have a place to talk about that kind of stuff because my wife goes cross-eyed when I start talking about quantum <laughs> physics and all that. So I need more people to talk to about it. Um, but the other thing was, you know, how unhappy I was in my life at 2018. And all I had to do was shift that mindset of just trying mm -hmm. to love where I was no matter what. And I did. And within weeks, I had job offers come to me and my whole life transformed like the whole Wow. everything like within literally within three weeks i had three different job offers in three different areas and i hadn't been able to find anything else for like the whole year prior and it was just a different approach of the way i was just going for everything and everyone i knew had an instant saw an instant change in me so it's like if i could have that dramatic of a turnaround and my life can go from where it has been to where i am now and being as unhappy and struggling with anxiety and ptsd and depression all that to doing what I did really all holistically with no meds and all that kind of stuff. If I can make these dramatic turnarounds, I know there's a ton of other people who are out there as well that this could benefit. So that's, that's my motivation to do the, the podcast that I'm doing, but it's been a stretch too, because you got to think the whole career path that I was in was so, you know, button lipped and you're not allowed to have any of these kind of views. Yeah. And, you know, if you had any views like this, you were the, you know, strange hippie woo woo guy that's, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. it yeah. was, it was a lot to let that go. And it, it actually took a lot of process for me to, to start promoting this on my own. I was kind of doing it on the side and up until it's really gained notoriety at like, I, I partnered with Adidas on a recent partnership and stuff. So nice. until those things Easy. fired up with me, I really didn't have like the confidence to kind of put it out there. Um, but now that I have, it's been an awesome experience, it's been a much freeing, much more freeing way to live to and not yeah. like sort of hide the, 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 the crazy woo woo things and the people <laughs> that I want to talk to and all that stuff. So, yeah, you're he, do you know, um, do you know what your like human design is? Have you ever no. done that? But you mentioned that on our positive. Oh head my thing. god! I really, it comes up, up every yes. time. <laughs> I, I never remember bring it up you with, said. I never bring it up with anyone else, so I must mean that you're yes. supposed to get I into it. I have to. I have to write this down because you mentioned that before, and I couldn't remember what exactly that it was. So I have yeah, to look up the human, human design. design. I'll send you a link, and you can take a you can take the quiz and know what you are. But um, you're like a master manifester. Like I feel like when you when when you you're like one of the types is a manifester. I feel like when you put your energy, when your energy gets aligned and it clicks into place, it's just like, boom, like really yep. big things happen really quick. And, yep. uh, those types of people are the funnest to watch. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's been, a good show. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah, it's been really beautiful to watch you launch this thing and just see the response and just, and see you too. Like I've been following you and your journey and it, it's been cool to see you. Like, I feel like you've, 
recently, like you just said, kind of like you clicked into your flow and you feel like a lot more open and free and you're doing what you love and it it shows. And so thank you so much for coming on here and having us on your podcast. If you guys, yeah, you guys can go on there and check out Heath's podcast, Live This Life podcast. And uh, we're one of the episodes, recent episodes. I don't remember what number, but you can go check it out. Uh, we'll put this. We'll put the link to your podcast in the show notes. Where else can people reach out to you if they want to connect with you? Um, LiveThisLife.org is the um, website. You can the email address to it is connect at LiveThisLife.org, and then also Instagram and Facebook pages. Um, I think that's the extent of social media right now. But um, I kind of get inspired to do TikTok from kind of the from from Miss Alexa because her TikTok's been on fire. Yeah, <laughs> you're not on TikTok. You yet? guys, I did no. my first dance TikTok. You would be good on TikTok, Heath. You should do it. Yeah, yeah I should. I yeah. should. It would be fun to see you do a dance. That would be a good time. I don't know. Maybe yeah. you're a really good dancer, but you're really buff, so it would be fun. <laughs> so, yeah. Magic Mike style. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean it like that. Jesus. Please outfit. But- wow. All right. Okay. We're going off the rails. I think we're <clears throat> tapping into something a little different. Yeah. Alexa wants to see. <laughs> Well, I follow this one guy on TikTok. Uh, now who I literally... have this expectation on TikTok here. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I do follow this one guy on TikTok who is like a male like dancer. And he's always posting things of like, what do you like? Do you like like the cop? Do you like 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 he'll do that like window wipe challenge, the like mirror wipe challenge thing. But he'll, you know, Ambie, you know that one? Yeah, I know. what. I know but like he'll one. but like he'll be like a fireman or like a, a cop because he's like a male dancer. And yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's I'm where always... my mind was. I'm always like interested to, I get kind of frustrated, but also like intrigued when someone really attractive is on TikTok and they're just like, just looking and that's at you, it. Winking. And you're like, what the fuck? That was it. Yeah. You just wait. That was all you did. Yeah, that's right. that's going to be my first one if I get on there. I'm just going to yes. sit there and like just wink at the camera. Yeah, no excuse <laughs> not to do it. One. It would be a good one. We'll give you a heart. Yeah, um, yeah I'll like it. We'll like it. Um, all right, Heath, thank you so much for coming on. We love you so much. And thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you everyone for watching and listening. And until next time, keep on blooming, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would give us a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to get in touch for a reading with Ambi, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Until next time, remember, open your heart to the seeds of love and light and bloom from within.